Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of Pick a Flick, the show where you pick them, we watch them. Simple as that. I'm your host, as ever, Tony Black, and I'm joined today by the man directly in front of me, not at all wearing silly earphones. It's our old mate, Matt Latham. I'm so glad that you've had me here back again, and I really wish you was talking about Groundhog Day for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, and this time, like, I've got my own podcast back, and you haven't hijacked it like you did a few episodes ago, and you held me hostage. But, you know, we've, we've sorted that out. We went to the police. He explained himself. I explained myself. And You're talking bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, because Latham and I could talk bollocks all day, um, we have someone with us who is of sane mind, uh, and that's my other guest today. Say hello to Becca Andrews. Hello. Uh, how are you, Becca? You all right? I'm good, thank you. Now, that's good to hear. Now, I've got to confess something. I think we all have to confess something. We originally recorded this a month ago, yes. didn't we? Has it been that long? It has been that long. It seems like longer. It does. <laughs> it does. It really does. We had a bit of a snafu on the recording end, Latham and I. Nothing to do. Becca's blameless. She did everything she did. She could write. We had a bit of a snafu. Yeah, it was Tony's fault. It, it was, was completely awesome. Latham's fault. You know. <laughs> uh, but we, yeah, we couldn't use that recording, which was a real shame because we really enjoyed that. So we decided, right, we're going to do this again before Christmas. Yes. Yes, today we're talking, obviously, a couple more nominations. And today, uh, this is all going to be very funny. Ha, 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 ha. Comedy is on the agenda today. Is it? It, it is, because we're very funny people, aren't we? Yes. Yes, Becca, you're very, you're very funny too, <laughs> aren't you? Hilarious. Yeah, hilarious. So let's start as we mean to go on, and let's pick a flick. Monty Python and the Holy Grail is a 1975 British surrealist comedy film written and performed by the comedy group of Monty Python, a.k.a. Graham Chapman, John Cleese, Terry Gilliam, Eric Idle, Terry Jones and Michael Palin and it was directed by Gilliam and Jones. It was conceived during the hiatus between the third and fourth series of their popular BBC television programme, Monty Python's Flying Circus. In contrast to the group's first film, and now for something completely different, which was a compilation of sketches from the first two television series, Holy Grail is comprised of original material. It parodies the legend of King Arthur's quest to find the Holy Grail. Here's a clip of what many consider to be a comedy classic. Nee, 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 nee. 
are you? We are the knights who say... Nee. No, nee. not the knights nee. who say ni. Nee. The same. Who are they? We are the keepers of the sacred words. Ni, nee. Peng, and Ni-Wom. Those who hear them seldom live to tell the tale. The knights who say ni demand a sacrifice. Knights of Ni, we are but simple travelers who seek the enchanter who lives beyond these woods. Ni! We shall say ni again to you if you do not appease us. Well, what is it you want? We want a shrubbery. <laughs> What? Please, please, no more. We will find you a shrubbery. You must return here with a shrubbery, or else you will never pass through this wood alive. Oh, knights of Ni, you are just and fair, and we will return with a shrubbery. One that looks nice. Of course. And not too expensive. Yes. Now, go! Monty Python and the Holy Grail grossed the most of any British film exhibited in the US in 1975. It's achieved a 97% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, with the consensus a cult classic as gut-bustingly hilarious as it is blithely ridiculous. In the US it was selected as the second best comedy film of all time in the ABC special Best in Film, and in the UK readers of Total Film Magazine ranked the film the fifth greatest comedy of all time, and a similar poll by Channel 4 viewers placed the film sixth. This was back in 2000. So the simple question to you both is, is this one of the greatest films of all time? Becca, what do you think? Yes, it is. <laughs> I think so. When you, know, you always ask what your favourite Python movie is, I think it swaps places with Life of Brian, so it's always between the two. But it's definitely up there for sure. Are you, are you a fan of Monty Python then, in the, the TV show? or? Yeah, definitely. The TV show and the movies. I'm a massive fan. So hilarious. I've seen Spam a lot. I don't know, so many times. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I've seen it quite a lot of times. Lathan, what about you? Are you are you a super fan of this film? I am, yes. And I went re-watching it, one thing that quite surprised me was, do you remember like mucking about with a friend's camera? Like, um, like a bunch of people just like, make stupid home movies doing, attempting to be funny. You mean like the, the opening credits of Friends, the the sitcom, where, they're, where you're all dancing around a waterfall? Kind of. <laughs> it, looks like, it looks like some really crap fan footage film. Or like uh, when you're making films. Like Project X. Yes. Or when you're making films with a mad Australian person and a posh English guy that's advertising Coca-Cola for an RE lesson. Right. That only, I think, happened to you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Insight into your past there. Yes. <laughs> but no, it, yeah, I, I think it's a really, really good film. Very funny. Very surreal in places. Mm. And there's not much of a story when you think about it either. It is a form of the sketch show mm. with a loose narrative loose narrative through, through it which was kind of how how the TV series itself developed yeah. anyway where it was um, a bunch of sketches that they tried to link together but mm. they did it on a more grander scale so you've got very episodic sections of the film together linked with like an, a very loose narrative and it pays off very well well I think what's the fun the great thing about Holy Grail is that yeah okay it's about Arthur searching for the Holy Grail in theory but it's really it's really just about a lot of it's a lot, a lot of dicking about really and a lot of just jokes like you said it's a lot of loose connected sketches yeah that revolve around the nights but also and this is something I know you're really attracted to Latham especially it's extremely meta in that it's actually a film really about a bunch of nutters who are running around the forest dicking about pretending to be Arthur and the Holy Grail, as we later find yes. out. And actually are, are, are like killers as well, <laughs> in yes. theory. Yes. Yes. As the one scene where, I think it's the Black Knight or somebody comes on a sword uh, on a horseback and just slices open the, the this BBC old presenter's throat. <laughs> really sick, really yes. messed up boy. You know, and it's like, at that point you go, what? It's not quite traditional, is it? No, no, but you could say that about the Monty Python humour in general it's, mm. it takes the idea of sketch comedy slightly further in that you can take sketches and isolated comedic moments and put them together in a cohesive whole mm. and it, everything kind of well it doesn't relate back to each other it kind of fits in with the tone with the tone that they're set out to do mm. in that you've got strange absurd concepts like these really really tall knights who only say very high pitched sounds <laughs> and ask, <laughs> <laughs> it, it brings together all these isolated ideas mm. into 
a similar tone, yet it doesn't actually have a theme to say. Mm. So whereas some film, some films, especially comedy films, they'll try and have something to say or an overriding theme that they want to explore. Mm. This film kind of just like sticks its middle finger up and says, "Yeah, we're not going to bother. Mm. This is going to be a bunch of randy women, yeah, <laughs> wanting to sleep with Eric Idle." But it, but what it does though in that in that case, it sort of twists certain things on its head, doesn't it? So yeah. it takes it takes ideas. And flips them. So the whole idea of, of when the knight turns up at the castle full of like nymphomaniac women who yeah. need saving, <laughs> yes. the idea is that they just want to shag. Right? Yes. <laughs> right? Where in, in, in theory, he would be supposed to be this brave knight who, and they're all chased and everything like that, and he'd be the randy one like that, but it's flipped because they just want to shag. Yeah. And he just, he just, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm chased. And that's the, I think it's Michael Palin, isn't it, in that one? Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> yeah. it's just really, it's funny. And yeah. like the whole idea of flipping it round about certain heroism. So like yeah. Sir Robin and um, Brave Sir Robin <laughs> ran away. Especially <laughs> <a> chicken. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, I think it's, because it's not Robin Hood, is it? It's just the name Sir Robin. Yeah, because it's, yeah, it's just the Knights of the Round Table. Yeah, so it's just Sir it, Robin, Sir but Lancelot. Think, but the, the name Robin is very much associated with English oh, yeah. folklore anyway, mm. but for Robin Hood. Robin Hood. Um, so the name Robin is going to be seen as a heroic. Yeah, yeah. A heroic character. Yes, it's character. clever. There's a twist that he's actually a scary character. <laughs> yeah, he's actually just a character. Exactly, yeah. yeah he's, a, he's a massive pussy. <laughs> yeah. He bravely turned his tail and fled. I didn't! <laughs> I didn't! <laughs> no, I never. No, I yeah. never! Stop it! But yeah, and also it's just like, when we talk about the meta things as well, I think one of my favourite examples is right at the very beginning with the um, the credits. Because the credits oh. <laughs> are brilliant of this, and as you'll hear from the theme tune of this episode, they've slightly been incorporated into the pick a flick theme. Yeah. But uh, can any of you name the um, the credits at the end? So the the amount of directors, well, of the, the llamas film. as well. Yeah. yeah. So this is the list. There's um, forty specially trained Ecuadorian mountain llamas, <laughs> six Venezuelan red llamas, 142 Mexican whooping llamas, <laughs> 14 North Chilean guacanos, closely related to the llama, reg llama of Brixton. Reg llama. That's my favourite. That's my favourite one. Seventy six thousand battery llamas from Llama Fresh Farms Limited <laughs> near Paraguay. Brilliant. Finally, Terry Gilliam and Terry Jones. <laughs> Brackets, not a llama. (laughs) (laughs) But it's that whole thing of traditionally in credits, for films like this, you would have very serious sort of music and they do that at the start with dun, 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 dun. And then suddenly you go... (laughs) We apologise for the credit. People who did these credits have been sacked. sacked. And then he cuts and goes, I'm I'm so sorry, the people who are responsible (laughs) for sacking the people who are responsible for the credits have also been been sacked. (laughs) But but then you've got the credits as well about the um, have you been to Norway or something you know seen seen the lovely lakes yeah, <laughs> yeah the lovely lakes and moose lovely once my sister but it's <laughs> things like yeah special um, intergalactic moose trained by you know Ralph Horvison or something yes. like that it's the first example of a film and things like Airplane and the Naked Gun did this afterwards but it's the first, I think it's one of the first examples of a film that fucks about with even the credits so you never quite know where you are with anything and like, yes. even comedy films didn't do that before this you know they just take all the tropes and all the things you're familiar with and yeah, fuck about yeah. with them. Yeah, just flip it on their head completely. They do. And it's 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 obviously their the traditional kind of surrealism and everything. So people expected it, but I think the hit rate of gags is incredible in this film. Almost all the gags work. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is down to um circumstance as well. So I think famously they couldn't afford horses. So they just put coconuts and I think that ended up being much better comedic visual gag. Yeah. Than perhaps having yeah, horses definitely. anyway. And they just include it into the dialogue. I yeah. think it's the, is it the first thing where they... Is it the English, Eric Hyde with the English guy goes, you're not an horse, he's just banging two coconuts You're banging together. coconuts. Yeah, because yeah. he starts talking... He's banging them together. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he just starts talking about the, the socio-economic idea of, of yes. monarchy. And, yeah. like that. and he goes, why should I vote for you? You, know, you don't vote for kings. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that, they don't touch on that that much, yeah. do they? But it's it's perhaps an ongoing motif, perhaps not in this film, but particularly in later films from the Pythons, mm. where they'll try and slowly incorporate more ideas into it. Yeah. It also kind of pops up in their TV show as well. I mean, obviously, they're all from a similar sort of background, like education, these, mm. so sort of class and social structure and things like that. Um, features a lot in, in the sketch show. That's true. They do a lot about the underclasses sort of getting one over on the upper classes a lot, don't they? Yes. I mean, and, yeah. and in this case, you know, like there's, that... There's the famous Frost... Is it Frost Report? Yeah. Sketch with yeah. Um, Ronnie Corby, David, uh, John Cleese, and mm. um, Ronnie Barker, isn't it? Oh, oh. Yes. yeah, Ronnie I look down on him. I'm thinking... Yeah, 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 I am yeah, upper yeah. class. I look up to him because I am lower class. My neck hurts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a sore neck. <laughs> yeah, something like that, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's that whole thing and that scene with 
Michael Palin and Eric Idle, I think, with the one where they go, we're in a narco-syndicalist commune. You know, <laughs> yes, it's, it's, one, yeah. it's that kind of hilarity in that you'd have these peasants understanding the, these concepts. Okay. And, and all the thick people are the rich ones. So, yes. like, you've got... All the knights are thick as shit. Yes. <laughs> all the way through. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You know, they're just dumb. So there's a lot of that going on, and that's classic Python-esque. But there's also the... You know, the whole ideas of... There's quite a lot of blood and gore in this at times as well. Like, the whole Black Knight... That's, that's very gory, isn't it? It's really but then, gory. But then again, that's, that's, I think that's more comic than gory. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because oh, it, yeah. it's not... I mean, you could probably show it at 8pm before the watershed. Yeah, I it's, suppose. Well, if, you, if you edit the language out. But, I mean, that's yeah. not as violent as perhaps... I've never saw it as violent. It's more com- comedic rather than yeah. specifically attempting to be gory. To be, yeah, to be gory. It wasn't always set supposed to be just in medieval times. Originally, there was going to be a, a setting in the modern day. So you had Arthur both looking for the Holy Grail in the present day and mm-hmm. medieval times, which he was eventually going to find the Grail at a Holy Grail counter at Harrods. <laughs> <laughs> but they, Gilliam and Jones suggested keeping the movie in the Middle Ages because people were more interested in that time period. And I think that probably... Probably was, yeah. you know, and also he was inspired by Paolo Pasolini, the uh, Italian director who yeah. did a trilogy of medieval movies. So there was, you know, that was probably yeah. a good idea, really. I think that could have been a joke too far. Apparently they had a rough day at first day of shooting this film as well. The, the first day they were shooting the Bridge of Death sequence on uh, the Gorge of Eternal Peril. <laughs> <laughs> and the camera broke. So, oh, no. um, yeah, and they uh, then they, when they fixed the camera, the sync wouldn't work, the sound. So they had, they had a bit of a difficult, so they could only shoot non-dialogue close-ups until they got the camera fixed. So it was pretty pretty difficult first day also do any of you know how they raised the money what musicians were involved in raising the money because they they actually got their budget through some investors there was a beetle involved so they tell me um, no, the Beatle. We had this conversation. I remember the conversation before where I said George Harrison, but it was the yeah, that was film. it. I but think, it wasn't. I think George we're, Harrison was Life of Brian. We're pillaging from our own previous yes. failed podcast. <laughs> yes. yes, George Harrison was Life of Brian. In yeah. this case, they raised two hundred thousand from uh, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, and Genesis. That was it. But yeah, I think it was for me. It's it's one of the funniest films ever made. I put it in my in my top like five Holy Grail because it just. It just consistently cracks me up, and there are there are scenes I can quote verbatim now. You know, I can yeah. I know the lines. It's one of those films for me. Um, it's not. It wouldn't be my top five, top ten. No, it's in my top ten, not my top five. It's my, I want to say favorite Monty Python film, but that's another question for a few. Well, on. well, well. You've we've talked about this, haven't, haven't we? In yes. that which which is better, like yeah, Monty, uh, yes. Monty Python, well, Holy Grail, or Life of Brian? Yeah, because I keep flipping between the two of them. And it's quite interesting, actually, when you see... If you look at both films, I think Life of Brian was four years after... Was it four, was it four years after Holy Grail? Yeah, I think it was 79. Yeah. When you look at the films, Life of Brian is actually a fully formed story. It's got elements of perhaps isolated sketch bits in it, mm. but the majority of those, with the exception of perhaps the bit that's the most Holy Grail-like of the film involving the aliens, mm. it's actually... A, I think it's a better story... Or a, a more self-contained film that ex- explores something, whereas yeah. Holy Grail is just them having a laugh. Yeah, so it's, yeah. I don't know whether that might be more demonstrating that the Monty Python team had the capacity to do more than just sketch, sketch comedy in a movie form. Yeah. So they was able to take a story and create the Life of Brian. Yeah, yeah. But I always struggle to figure out if I like Life of Brian or Holy Ground more. And the bit I always find interesting is that the only bit in Life of Brian I don't like is the one that would fit the most in the Holy Grail, which is when he falls off. Oh, yeah, And, yeah. and he, lands oh. in that, in, he lands in that Uf, the yeah, UFO. Yeah, yeah. No, That's if, very weird. That would that would have fitted and that would have been fine if mm. it was some, in Holy Grail. Where, where do you stand on this, Becca? Which is your favourite? Yeah, I'm kind of the same, really, sort of flipping between the two. I would say Life of Brian is definitely the more cohesive, coherent, I guess, because um, they're kind of making a point about religion and Christ and kind of follow, you know, um, Christianity in general mm. um, for all its controversy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think, whereas, yeah, obviously Holy Grail is just kind of a collection of skits, really, but it's, yeah, the more sort of coherent film. But yeah, I generally, it flips to sound really fickle, it's depending on which one I watched last. <laughs> so. Well, yeah. Do you guys know the alternate names for Monty Python itself? Because there were a few, actually. I, I know one. <laughs> what, which one do you know? Um, Owl Stretching Time. Owl, uh, owl Stretching Time, yeah. Because <laughs> they wanted something that was just nonsense and didn't mean anything, because Monty Python doesn't mean anything. And the, the whole idea of it was, in the end, John Cleese suggested something slithery like Python, and Eric Idle came up with Monty. Eric Idle came up with Monty to suggest a sort of drunken British stereotype. 
Um, <laughs> so Monty Python just worked. But before then, they had a few. Yeah, Owl Stretching Time was one. The Toad Elevating Moment. <laughs> um, a horse, a spoon, and a basin. Um, Way to market. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> my favourite one, which is Bombwacket Buzzard Stubble a Boot. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> but Flying Circus only stopped because the BBC informed the group that they had printed their programming schedules with that name already, and it couldn't be changed. So <laughs> like, yeah. So then, then wow. when they added Monty Python's Flying Circus, but in the end, it just seemed to work perfectly well, really. So um, speaking of alternate names for something, Tony. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've come up with alternate names for the podcast. Or what? possible spin-offs. What, for Pick a Flick? Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> is, is this after you like kept like spamming me at work? Because you've done this sometimes. You've just WhatsApped me like eight different things in a, in a one go. Just like, oh, pick a sheep or flick a pick. Or and it's just like, dude, do some work. You know, <laughs> the fact you you immediately reply well yeah, let, let, makes me assume that you're not done. Let, let's not get either. into that anyway. Yes. What, what are your um... <laughs> well, for one, I think that I think you've got a world open. You've got the for, you've got the, the format of this is open for interpretation for okay. other things. Yeah. So, for example, pick a Nick. So Tony Black will then choose a nominated famous Nick. Nicky, Nicola, and <laughs> and analyse their whole career. Okay, only like, if I can do Nicolas Cage first. Yeah. Or Nick Nolte. Or Nick Nolte. Um, spin- Nick Nolte, a, like this now. A further, <laughs> a further spin-off, Flick and Nick, which chronicles you running up to them and flicking them on the nose. You can get me arrested. Yeah. You just said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like so. <laughs> pick, pick, pick a ship. I thought, you were, I thought you were going to say pick a ship then for a minute. T- Tony Blacker delves into the world of dietary requirements. <laughs> Or just picks people who are horrible. Yes. I'll do Donald Trump first. Yes. Okay. Uh, pick a ship where you, nom- get, you talk about nominated famous ships. Um, <laughs> it's a shit idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, today we're going to talk about the HMS Devonshire. Or pick a Swift, in which you do the same thing, but it's a t- Tyler Swift song. Pick a Swift. Pick yeah, a Swift. pick a Swift. What, one that I know you're a fan of, mm-hmm. Lift a Bitch, where you guess... <laughs> where, where, where Tony Black guesses the way to female dogs. <laughs> Yeah, I did. Fun for the family. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I did like that one. That did make me um, chuckle. Can, can we please stop this now and get on with the podcast? Because well, I'm starting to lose the will well, to live. You can go on and on. If there's anyone listening who has any other ideas, feel free to tweet them in. Yes, please do. As long as you don't call it pick and flick, because that's just gross. Yeah, well, that's that was the first, first one you one. thought of, wasn't it? Pick and flick. <laughs> about nose picking, which, yeah. yeah. Please, I, I do want a load of people to just keep tweeting that pick a flick Twitter account We just really weird... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Send them in. Send them in if you can think of any more spins on the name. And, you know, if you hit on a really good one, maybe I'll change it. Um, (laughs) We'll see. Of course, you know, Monty Python and the Holy Grail was 40 this year, and it was celebrated with a brand new Blu-ray set, um, which looks very nice. And actually, I think it's actually got a castle built into it, or you can build a castle from it. But yeah, I think uh, it's it's a great choice for a funny film just to throw on, and, you know, you can just soak it up and enjoy it. So um, big thanks to Clint Thiel for... Uh, nominating this one uh, he's at vengeful jedi on twitter and he's host of the geek dig podcast co-host of the green up gaming podcast a gamer netflix binge watcher and geek and uh, if you want to check out clint's podcast a little bit more you can find it at geekdigpod.com so uh, pop over there and um, join in the fun so thanks a lot clint Okay, moving on, we're going to stay on the subject of comedy, (laughs) and we're going to talk about what people consider to be the best and worst recognised comedies out there. So uh, I've got a couple of lists. I think both of you have actually um, done some thinking about this. So what would you say, Becca, your best comedy is, or what you think the best comedy is? I've got a top three best and top top three worst that doesn't make sense kind of does <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, best three and worst three yeah obviously with python it includes like physical comedy and more cerebral comedy yeah um so it's things like obviously holy grail like with brian that we've, that we've talked about mm. um but also like airplane spinal tap um and south park and that kind of even though it's animation it's still quite clever because it riffs on kind of what the popular things of the day yeah yeah see i would probably say I've, well what i've written down here i've got holy grail life of brian interchangeable and the third spot probably airplane yeah just to get just to get the Americans in there. That's a, yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> you can't go wrong with that. And I sort of rewatched that recently, and I just thought, oh, it's just comedy gold, really. It is brilliant. That has been nominated, so we'll get to that one day on Pick a Flick. Layden, what, what about your top three comedies, or, or what you would think your top three might be? Top three comedies would be okay. Off the top of my head, South Park, Big Long Run Uncut. It's one of my yeah. Like, it'd be up there, up there with my favourite. It is great. To favorites. be fair, I've always got a soft spot for the Wayne's World films. So I'll count them as one. 
Mm. So Wayne's World 1 and 2. Um, I grew up with them. I really do enjoy those films. And third, I would say... Now, I'm torn between one or two, but I might go for... I'll go for Waiting, Ryan Reynolds. Really? Wait, I've never heard of that one. Waiting, I love that film. It's got um, Louis Louis Guzman, um, Vanessa Lenghi's. It's just like, it's one of these that follow one day in the life of a group of people that work in this restaurant bar. And it's, I don't know why, it's nothing special. But I just, when when me and my mates, we borrowed, we like hide it from like Blockbuster for one night. Yeah. And we was in fits of laughter. We was in absolute fits of laughter throughout the whole thing. I nearly Mm. choked on the pizza I was eating (laughs) at some point. (laughs) um, Must check it out then. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's not going to be for everyone, but I really, really do like that film. It, it'll be near the bottom of my top ten, mm. but that like comedies. But yeah, definitely. I think for me, again, I would put Monty Python up there and the Holy Grail definitely. I think I'd also say while we're on the subject of John Cleese, that one of my favourite all-time comedies is A Fish Called Wanda. Yes. Oh, of course. How can I forget that? It's a brilliant film, and it's. it's I wouldn't say it's forgotten these days, but it, people don't mention it often when they talk about great comedy movies and Fish Called is just one of the best comedies ever made another chip up the nose Kenneth <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't I meant, meant don't call me stupid it. don't call me stupid <laughs> Kevin Klein in that is brilliant I, amazing I watched it I can't remember much from it honestly I haven't watched it watch yet. it again because it's got four brilliant performances John Cleese is almost a straight man in that film actually in, in many ways and he's, he's this lawyer who um, ends up falling in love with a crook called Wanda who's Jamie Lee Curtis and you wouldn't think that that pairing would work but they've got such chemistry it's really surprising. Yeah, they really do. They really do. And she's really sexy all, all the way through. And then you've got Kevin Klein, who's her dumb... Well, he's not even a brother. He, they pretend to be brother and sister. And, he's, and he fancies her and he wants to shag her. And basically, he, think, he, he reckons he used to be in the CIA, but he wasn't. He just, he's just a <laughs> fantasist. Um, but he just, he just goes, don't call me stupid, because he keeps saying... People keep saying things. And then you've got Michael Palin, who plays... He's like a, um, a bit of a fence for stuff. And he's he just got... Stutter all the way through, so he's like that all the way through, and then he eventually breaks. Without spoiling anything, he eventually breaks his stutter, and he then he sings "How much wood could a woodchuck chuck?" really loudly, <laughs> <laughs> and he goes "Woohoo!" Like that. But it's great. It's it's brilliant. It's well worth checking out. So I'd I'd say that one as well. I think possibly I might say Anchorman as well because I thought Anchorman yes. was brilliant. The first Anchorman. There's just so many, really. I think it's difficult for anybody to come up with a top three for comedy, isn't it? Because it does change quite often. It's a quick question for the both of you. Is there a comedy film, a couple of comedy films that you really, really love that are not as regarded as highly as others? The ones we've been talking about have been quite well known. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so... um, But any hidden gems that you really like or perhaps haven't been figured out? I've got two in my head. I've got two in my head that I perhaps will actually go on record and say, oh, these are my official submissions for later pick flicks as well. Okay, I bet one's basketball. No, it's not. Damn it. No, <laughs> I've got that written down. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I'm quite, I'm quite shocked I didn't actually go for basketball. I would actually put basketball higher than waiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. basketball's, yeah, you've been going on about basketball for years. It is a great film. To oh, be fair. it's amazing. So funny. But no, the first one is a film called Support Your Local Sheriff. Oh yeah, with James Gardner. You have mentioned this before with James Gardner, and it's uh, it's like from like the nineteen sixties, but it's set in the Wild West about this guy with no name who walks into this. I think he's travelling to Australia, or he's, he's aiming to travel to Australia, mm. um, and he goes into this um, like backwater western town, typical western town, mm. um, and ends up becoming the sheriff and gets involved in this fight against this like local family of thugs and uh, manages to <laughs> just basically piss them all off yeah and like they were supposed to be all terrifying but they, and, but manages to keep one in like a jail cell but there's no bars in the jail cell mm. <laughs> and just basically uses my manipulation and fear to keep him in there yeah and like there's always one of my favourite lines in cinemas in here where um, the, the head of this family is speaking to like the son who's played as the fool and goes well dad you said there ain't no jail that can hold a damn big well now they've built one <laughs> <laughs> And the second one is a film called Clean Slate, starring Dinah Carvey from yeah. the Waynesville films and the woman from Hot Shots, whose name I can never remember. Valerie Galino. Yes, Valerie Galino. How do I know that? Where's that come from? It's like the knowledge. Yeah, yeah. And the idea being is that he's a private detective who wakes up each day and loses his memory the day before. So he had an accident and suffers from a retrograde amnesia, I think the term is. Right. And every time he wakes up, he 
forgets pretty much everything since the accident. Mm. And he's actually a private private eye who's been assigned to this very high-profile case about a witness, mm. uh, under witness protection and everything. And he's actually quite, he's quite funny. And um, I think James Earl Jones is in it. I want to say Richard Harris, but it probably is. You say it then. If you want to say it, you say it. It stars Richard Harris, Harrison Ford, Terry Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> the best movie ever. Yeah. And all, all the actors in the world yeah, are in all it. All the actors in the world. I'd like to submit those two films for future Picker Flicks. Okay. All right. You heard it here first, everybody. Yeah. Becca, what's, what about you to answer that question? What would your film be? Yeah, I've got a couple jotted down. Um, obviously, Basketball is one of them. That's one of the first things that I kind of introduced to um, Matt Stone and Trey Parker. Yeah, the other two I have. One's British and one's American. Office Space, which is... Um, very underrated. I only mm. recently watched that about a year or two ago, mm. and oh. considering my line of work, I found it absolutely hilarious. It's not as corporate office as that, but mm. the idea of like technical support and yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's all like about IT workers and stuff, and it's actually funny. really, really funny. Mm. That's it, and how they all kind of decide to turn against the higher ups. I mean, I, I studied abroad in America for about four months. And everybody kind of raved about it. This is kind of back in the early 2000s. Um, and everyone kind of raved about it. And then sort of coming back to England, everyone was like, well, not really heard of it. So it's like, well, perhaps maybe it wasn't as, as well known or as beloved as it was over there, maybe. Mm, perhaps. Which is which is surprising. If Jennifer Aniston was in it, so you'd think more people would have watched that, wouldn't you, really? Yeah. But then the Friends being so popular. Yeah. Because it was 97, that was. So you'd think, it, you know, it was the time she was massive, even more massive. What's your other one? Have you got another one, Becca, did you say? Um, yeah, the other one I have is Cock and Bull Story. The oh, Tristan yeah. Shandy, and that's quite a meta one as well because it's about sort of the make, supposedly unfilmable, and about you know documentary making of and everything that goes wrong. Just, just so funny, very well written. Yeah, that's the Michael Winterbottom film, which in many respects I think probably inspired the trip with Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon because it's. That's on my Netflix queue. Yeah, you need to definitely watch the <laughs> you trip. You have to watch it. The trip is brilliant, but the Cock and Ball story is great because it's they're playing themselves, playing characters in in an. A period drama yeah. so you've got them playing the period drama is not that much of it really most of it is them air interactions on set mm-hmm. but they're playing themselves so Steve Coogan is you know a bit and, and it, it, the trip ends up being an extension of it because Rob Brydon just keeps getting on his tits all the way through <laughs> <laughs> right. and then that's what the trip is for a lot of it it's Rob Brydon pissing off Steve Coogan and they try to out Sean Connery or out Michael Caine each other along the way yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> by doing impressions to each other um, that was apparently Stop Michael pointing Kane. at me. <laughs> it's rude. When I do my Michael Caine, I will point at you all I bloody like. Well, if you're going to do your Michael Caine, I'm going to do my Michael Caine what? and point at you. We need to stop this now, otherwise we will, we will end up doing this for an hour. But that's a great choice, yeah. Cock and ball story. I think two leapt to my mind. The first one actually links to your one, Becca, which because uh, it's by Mike Joy. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special moms in your life. In what better way than with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited-edition sets, perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their Golden Glow Body Set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for silky, smooth, glowing skin, while the Glow and Go Facial Set has everything she needs to achieve spa-level results at home. They're so beautiful, you can skip the wrapping. For a limited time, you can save up to $48 on Osea's sets, plus get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. Pamper the moms in your life and get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A, Malibu.com, code MOM. 
bunch as well, which is Idiocracy. Uh-huh. And Idiocracy is, you'd really like Idiocracy, Latham. Idiocracy is about a guy, Luke Wilson, who wakes up in, he gets cryogenically frozen, he wakes up in 500 years to find out that everyone's become really thick. So the whole human race has just degenerated into being stupid and he becomes the cleverest man in the world. And then when he wakes up, he basically ends up like confused because they, people have got so dumb, they've got huge amounts of technology, they're just reliant and they just sit there watching crap all day and they have everything done for them, robots and all kinds of things, but they're really thick and they've... De- like, I think it's... um. A big wrestler is the president of the US. And he, <laughs> and he just comes on like a movie star going, yeah, yeah, come on, like that. And he's the president, I'm, right? I've never heard of it. it. You need to look it up. And it's really funny. And then Luke Wilson, in his typical sort of deadpan way, goes, but you're doing things wrong, you know. And he just comes in and he just starts sort of, it's really, it's just, it's, a, it's only about 80 minutes, but it's got some, and it's not perfect, but it's got some really, really clever ideas. Okay. And worryingly, it's becoming a bit more prescient every day, actually. I was going to say, that sounds like we're sliding that way now. <laughs> yeah, we are a bit. It actually sounds like a premise for a Black Mirror story as well. Well, yeah, it, it, there is yeah, a little bit be. of that, yeah. yeah. But it's played more, you know, garishly and for a bit more crude and things like that. But it's it's funny. And I think my other one, going, and I'm going to go back to John Cleese again, and I watched it last year, I think, or earlier this year, and I really like it. It's Clockwise. Oh, yeah. Clockwise was mid-80s, and I remember this was one of the... Uh, the films I used to enjoy when I was a little child and I used to watch it. It's just John Cleese as a head as a headmaster, and interestingly enough, and you'll like this, it was filmed. The school scenes were filmed at Phoenix in West Brom, which is where our friend Addis used to work and our friend Dawson used to work. And now, yeah, Matt Dawson has been on the podcast, but yeah, it was filmed at Phoenix. Wow. Yeah, yeah, the school scenes. Um, that won't mean anything to you, really, Becca. But <laughs> no, that's watch. interesting that you've got the local connection there. Yeah, so. it surprised no, well, me. I, I, Wow! Yeah, I mean, I never even heard of this film. It's, a, it's about a really good. Thirty seconds ago, and he's basically no, got no excuse. Well, there you go. And he's a headmaster who ends up late for a conference that he's that he's attending to do a speech. But he ends up in, on like a road trip almost with one of his sixth form students. This girl, he's really uptight. He's like Basil Fawlty esque uptight, typical John Cleese. Mm-hmm. But his life just spirals out of control around him. But it's got all these little funny incidental characters. So there's like these three batty old women who end up coming along for the ride. And it, <laughs> it, Isn't one of them like used to play Miss Marple or something? Yeah. Yeah, one of them is Miss Marple, and she just doesn't stop talking. Yeah, I can't remember her name, but she's like, obviously, she's really sort of insightful old lady, but then she's just completely batty. Joan, Joan Hickson. Yeah. Joan Hickson, that was it, yeah. And she ju- all she does throughout the film is talk about her sherry glasses. So she's just going, <laughs> oh, the sherry glasses were given to Dora, but she didn't want them. And no, no, the, no, the sherry glasses. It's, it's hilarious, because all she does is talk. And then there's another one who just doesn't say anything, and another one who just keeps singing, going, I was young. It's, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's like... It's just really funny, and it, and it just gets more and more absurd and farcical. But it's re- it's really good. I think it was Michael Frayn who did that one in '85. Like, but definitely worth looking up. It's one of John Cleese's best roles. Just uh, quickly going on to the worst films. Then Becca, you had a, a collection of what you consider to be worst comedy films. What do you reckon? Yeah, I was just trying to do like I, I do little lists. Uh, White chicks because it's just racist oh, and bad. It's horrible. Sex and the City two. <laughs> yes. Had the misfortune to see that for a friend Tendu, and I was just like, oh. I mean, I, I love the series, um, but the films not so much. That's been nominated for Pick a Flick. So we're oh. we're gonna get to we're gonna do a chick flick special next year and we're gonna right, get good to, luck with that one. Oh yes, <laughs> I look forward to, to hearing the outcome. <laughs> yeah, the other ones I have is kind of like they're all kind of lumbered together. So like the date movie, the scary movies, those sort of films. They're just a, a mishmash of all the films that oh, are they're, they're, not meant to be spoofy. It's just terrible. They're Why? They're just horrible they're, and they're, they're consistently terrible. I don't know how they do that really. Even if they do have like Anna Faris and, and such in them, um, that doesn't mean they're going to be any good or that's no that's no sign of quality. If they're meant to be spoofs you know i mean i think scary movie was the one that kicked it all off and that was okay because you had things like sort of signs and popular horror films but um they just kind of got progressively worse so i I think you're right there they're horrible they're horrible examples speaking of terrible films i'm going to run down in a list of for on film.com of 10 of the worst comedy films ever made so let's see if we agree with this and number 10 the love guru which is mike myers which is him a long way, I think, from Austin Powers in Wayne's World. Yeah. The Hottie and the Knotty, which has Paris Hilton. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God, that looked horrendous. The Adventures of Pluto Nash, which is one of Eddie Murphy's... Well, he features a couple of times on this list, but, yeah, it's one of his latest entries. Well, I say latest, 2002. Son of the Mask, which is... Oh, there's Seth Green. Ja- Jamie Kennedy. Jamie Kennedy, yeah. Fat Girls, which is P-H-A-T and then Girls with a Z... Uh, I'm looking it up on IMDb as we speak. 2006 film featuring Monique. We all know who Monique is. And it's about two plus-size ladies who meet the men of their dreams in the most unexpected of ways. You can imagine it to be a bit like Big Mama's House. Do you know what I mean? That kind of shit. That sounds very cringeworthy. Well, yeah. Norbit 
is another one, which is Eddie Murphy, which is just <laughs> unbelievable. Meet the Spartans, which is another epic movie kind of, you know, date movie kind of stable. I think it's the same guys, Friedberg and Seltzer. Is that, isn't that the one that's supposed to mix Meet the Parents with... 300. 300, 300 yeah. Um, and it's just awful. It's Pat at number three. Are you familiar with it's pa- it's what? Pat it's Pat you know oh you know Pat yeah yeah this this one possibly should have been number one because it it we're at a point now this was made in 1994 and this is so on PC now it's the comic misadventures of a person of indeterminate gender we'll put I'll put a, um, the 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 poster up on Twitter for people to see but even the poster it's just like. No, 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 no. Could be a man, could be a woman, making a funny like face. It just, it just, it's just offensive. I mean, I imagine that film is horrendously offensive now. At number two, Bucky Larson, Born to Be a Star, which is uh, a kid from the Midwest moves out to Hollywood in order to follow in his parents' footsteps and become a porn star. So, and it has Christina Ricci in it. Um, and it's written by Adam Sandler, so no surprise. <laughs> in fact, I'm amazed more of his films aren't on here, actually, in the top ten of worst comedies. You'll find a list saying, um, and the rest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <That's> the... <laughs> the top ten Adam Sandler Adam movies. Adam Sandler movies. Um, well, he's just brought out a new one on Netflix called The Ridiculous Six, which is supposed to be utterly shit again. So, and number one, Dumb and Dumber 2, when Harry met Lloyd, or Dumb... the original Dumb and Dumber 2, which is the prequel, before Dumb and Dumber 2, the actual film came out. So... I think I think there are probably comedies that are worse than those ten, but there's there's some definite bad films on there, and there's also a list from Time Out which lists the top ten comedies ever. So at number ten, there's The Jerk with Steve Martin. You know, you've never seen The Jerk, have you, Laven? I've never have, have, heard of it. Have you seen The Jerk, Becca? I have. It was a long time ago. I've, I've been trying to track it down on DVD. I'm sure it is out there somewhere. It's really funny. Navin Johnson, the, the suspiciously pale middle child of a family of poor black sharecroppers who realises he's actually adopted and heads out to make his fortune. It, it, it's a lot funnier than that sounds. <laughs> it's Steve, Steve Martin at his, uh, amongst his best, so 1979, one of his earliest. And number nine, Some Like It Hot, which is just... Oh, that's brilliant. Absolute classic. Wonderful film. It's, um, just, it's just bam, 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 yeah. bam. It's like, it's the precursor to Joss Whedon, Aaron Sorkin, Amy Schumann, Palladino kind yeah, of... Yeah, sort of fast-talking. Fast-talking dialogue stuff. But does it so much better than any of those films or people mm. yeah definitely it's just brilliant at number eight Groundhog Day which is again a classic yeah. probably Bill Murray's best film number um, eight is Groundhog Day probably a classic one of his best at number eight we've got Groundhog Day which is probably Bill Murray's best film mm. amongst his classics yeah. number eight we've got <laughs> <laughs> look at this we've got for a while. <laughs> I've been in here for 10,000 years yes. doing this because that, that was apparently what it was wasn't it it was 10,000 yeah. years he's stuck in the time loop or something at number seven with Nail and I which is one of the most classic British films. You must have heard of With Nail and I, Laven. I have. I'm just not interested in watching it. Oh, okay. Well, um, yeah, it's a great film. It's really funny. Actually, those those two would probably round up my top five, I guess. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Immortalised for the line, I feel like a pig shat in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, number six, Anchorman. Three. (laughs) Which is, uh, again, a classic, probably Will Ferrell's best film. Five, Monty Python, The Holy Grail. Which, yay. And number four, Annie Hall, which is Woody Allen, one of Woody Allen's films, which is recognised as having the best screenplay ever, um, or one of the best screenplays by, I think, the AFI recently. At number three, Monty Python's Life of Brian, as we've talked about earlier. Obviously, the person who compiled that list had watched Life of Brian after. Hey, yeah, yeah, more recently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at number two, Airplane, understandably. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue. Uh, <laughs> and uh, at number one is the film we're going to talk about next. So uh, I think this is as good a time as any. To pick a flick. This is Spinal Tap, is a 1984 American rock music mockumentary comedy film written, scored by, and starring Rob Reiner, Christopher Guest, Michael McKean, and Harry Shearer. The film portrays the fictional British heavy metal band Spinal Tap. Directed by Reiner, the movie satirises the wild personal behaviour and musical pretensions of hard rock and heavy metal bands as well as the hagiographic tendencies of rock documentaries at the time. Reiner and the three main actors are credited as the writers of the movie because they ad-libbed much of the dialogue. Several dozen hours of footage were filmed before Reiner edited it to the released movie. In 2002, This Is Spinal Tap was deemed culturally, historically or aesthetically significant by the Library of Congress and was selected for preservation by the United States National Film Registry. Let's have a look at this one. Do you play all... I mean, do you actually play all these? or? Well, I play them and I cherish them. Mm-hmm. This is the top of the heap right here. There's no question about it. Look at the look at the flame on that one. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's quite unbelievable. This what this one is just uh, it's perfect. 1959. Uh, you know, it just you can uh, listen. How much is just this? Just listen for a minute. 
I'm the not, sustain, listen to it. I'm not hearing anything. You would, though, if it were playing, because yeah. it really, it's famous for its sustain. I mean, you can yeah. just hold it. Well, I mean, so you'd have to ah, You can go, go and have a bite. No, you'd still yeah. be hearing that one. Yeah. Can you hold this a sec? Yeah, sure. This one, this, of course, is a custom three pickup. Paul, this is my radio unit. Oh, so I, I see strap you... this, this piece on. You know, right down in here, when I'm on stage. It's oh, so a wireless. Wireless, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I can play without all the mucky muck. You can run anywhere on exactly. stage with that. Oh, oh, this is special too. It's a... Look, see? Still got the uh, the old tagger on it. See, never even played it. See? You just bought it. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. I wasn't going to touch it. No, don't touch it. I was just pointing at it. I... Well, don't point even. Don't it even point? Be, no, it can't be played. Never. I mean, I, Can I, I look at it? No. No, you've seen Don't enough of that one. This is a top to uh, you know what we use on stage, but it's very, very special because if you can see, yeah, the numbers all go to eleven. Look right across the board, oh. eleven, oh, eleven, and most of eleven, and then amps go up to ten. Exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? It's not ten. You see, most most blokes, you know, be playing at ten. You're on ten here, all the way up, all the way up, yeah. all the way up. You're on ten on your guitar. Where can you go from there? Where? I don't know. Nowhere. Exactly. What we do is, if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? I'll put it up to eleven. Eleven. Exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make ten louder and make ten be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. The film found great success and a cult following after it was later released on video. And since it's released, it's re received universal acclaim from critics and is widely regarded as one of the best films of its year and its decade. So, This is Spinal Tap is, yeah, widely considered to be one of the funniest films ever made. Do we agree with this? I to say, yes, I do agree. Why then? Tell us why. No, it's just kind of infinitely quotable, I guess. It was doing the documentary before. you got things like The Office um, and those sort of things come out. So it's kind of doing it long time before then before it was even popular but I think, yeah just kind of like the pattern like between like the characters as well just kind of just feels really natural the songs are just hilarious um and instantly classic i had the privilege of seeing them at glastow one year that was just oh, immense oh that would have been good yeah because they still tour don't they they still they, they do. tour as, as the group now don't they yeah they do it was a good laugh um but yeah it's just I, I don't know why i didn't mention it earlier but yeah it's so funny well many people actually believed it was real at the time you know they believed it was a real documentary I thought they were a real band because I think my first acknowledgement that they existed was when they guest starred on The Simpsons right and they played Springfield and it turned out into a massive riot bar was that and I <laughs> thought they were a, an actual band until I, I clocked onto who Michael McKean was Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but then I, I never fully made the connection afterwards because Harry Shearer's Harry's in the film and Harry Shearer's a main cast member of them right. as well. And I never really clocked onto it until, like, I don't remember when, but um, I honestly thought they were real until... Well, I didn't I didn't know Michael McKean from this, admittedly. I knew him from The X-Files because he played a very good, funny supporting role in The X-Files. Oh, of course he did, yeah. Layden, what do you think? I mean, this this is a film that I think a lot of, a lot of people... Is it a film that everyone loves or is it a film that film fans love? Or comedy fans love? I think it might be one that film fans love. I watched it in preparation for this, and it was the second time I think I ever watched it. The first time was a few years ago. Mm. And I think I enjoyed it more the first time round. Right. I don't know what it was. I didn't find it as laugh-out funny the second mm. time I watched it. I think to the point where like, the last ten minutes I kind of just like phased out and started doing something else. I can recognise what it was, recognise what it's doing. The performances are top-notch. The way it's filmed, the way it's done, the story that it portrays. I, I just... Didn't find myself laughing out loud as much as I did. I think the first the first time. Anyway, mm. I don't know whether it might have been because a lot of the it's one of those films where a lot of the jokes, a lot of the references have just been repeated so further down the years mm. that you subconsciously have an idea of what to expect before you watch it. And by the time you actually watch the thing that it's based on, then I think a lot of the impact is lost. Mm. But the idea being is that that's another film that's had a lot of other properties mm. influence it and have recreated scenes in a comical way. I mentioning The Simpsons again. Mm. And like the whole turning it up to 11 type thing. I mean, that scene is well written, it's well done to how it's done. Mm. But then I think I think that turning up to 11 has been in pop culture so long mm. that it was pretty much ingrained in my head before I actually saw the original source. Mm. And I think that might have lost it. Uh, that might have lost a bit of impact for me but as I said the film as a whole is very well done the story of these like classic rock stars who are probably starting to get a bit older and faded by the time the film yeah. can be made 
and that the film touches on that quite a lot and also has a few Beatles references like when his wife turns up and starts trying to basically someone tries to yell go out and else final tap yeah yeah and that that stuff's all pretty much the kind of comedy I've come to like in the past as well and that was mm. really good it's just that when the bits that it's known for or the, the higher bits that the, by the time you get to watch these bits that you know are classics I think it loses a bit of the impact yeah anyway, it's probably somewhat it's probably about you younger generations who will go who will probably watch Holy Grail Mm. And the, I've probably seen the references to in other films, maybe yeah other films and stuff. They probably they probably won't have the impact that that, that perhaps we had when mm. we first watched it because of how old it is and how much of a legacy it has. I yeah. think that kind of affects Spinal Tap as well. Mm. And I, I feel a bit crappy for saying that because of how highly regarded it is. Um, I I think that perhaps it's a, something to do with the age of the film mm. and my knowledge of the film before I watched it yeah possibly could have had an effect yeah it might be sort of one of those films where you need to watch other films or have a you know particular sort of taste in comedy to, to go into it rather than you know it's got a gateway drug rather than right okay here it is watch it if you're watching it like today for example if you've not seen it watching it for the first time you might not get the full impact as it were it's interesting though how it cut close to home for a lot of people this film <laughs> yeah oh. <laughs> quite a few people like Jimmy Page Robert Plant Ozzy Osbourne all said they, they, they saw things in this film that were real, like confusing arena backstage hallways trying to make their way to places and, and things like that. Although Ozzy Osbourne did say that they what they were up to was a bit tame compared to us. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, considering that's the man who bit a head off a bat live on stage, then you can understand it, can't think, you, really? But saying that, one thing I did notice was that from what the stereotypical urban legend of the rock star of that ilk... Mm. got up to they were, Spinal Tap seemed quite tame in comparison to other urban legends that have for example Ozzy Osbourne like, yeah. decapitating flying rodents with his teeth mm. it's a nice way of putting that <laughs> I didn't want to say bite and head off a bat again because you just said oh, oh nice yeah, yeah nicely done yeah. <laughs> my internal thesaurus was kicking off <laughs> It's quite tame, but I think a lot of the humour doesn't come from that original thing. It comes a lot more subtly and employed mm. humour. And I think a lot more of the gags that worked for me when I watched it were those, were those kind of slight gags. Yeah. Like, for example, the, the ongoing joke about the drummers. The, right. Like, <laughs> the drummers and the way that they die. Like, yeah, And they yeah, just yeah. They casually <laughs> shrug it off. I think yeah. Those are the more funny bits. It's, it's the more... Um, those kind of jokes that actually work better for me. It could be that it's one of those films that people who love music love even more. Mm. I mean, you know... If, I'm not a musician, you know, and I I enjoy it. I like it. I think it's a good film. I wouldn't put it in any near near any of my top tens for comedy because it's subjective. A comedy as ever. Yes, yes. That's the one thing to come out of this podcast: remembering that comedy is subjective, and everyone's number one is going to be different. It is very, very good, but I think you'll you'll get even more out of it if you've picked up a guitar or you've been on tour or you you've been in a band or you've been you know off a bat. Well, yeah, been there off a bat. Yeah, a bat, yeah. <laughs> or you've got a real like grounding in seventies, eighties, what would now really be dad rock like ACDC yes, and yeah. things like that. Now I love that kind of music, but I'm not obsessed with music. You know, it's it's a not one of my biggest hobbies. Yeah, you'd appreciate it more if you grew up with that kind of the on, on that kind of listening to that sort of music. Yeah, possibly. You'd probably appreciate it more and get more from it. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think if your knowledge of that kind of music and the era, era you probably gain a lot more yeah. from it. I think particularly because you probably do have younger generations that will are probably introduced to that music and probably will, are into more dad rock. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And they probably and they probably will come to Spinal Tap. Oh, hang on, this is actually still pretty funny and probably will yeah. get more out of it because the, they they have released albums in the past and they do say they do tour and the songs they've got are actually really good. I'd say I've got a ma- I love Majesty of Rock. Majesty of Rock's brilliant. Oh, genius. Yeah. <laughs> the peasantry of Rome. The running of the fall. I'll be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> Which musician did it make cry? Do we know? Adele. <laughs> maybe. Oh. Maybe. Well, Why do you assume Adele? Do you think she'd cry over things? Probably. Well, maybe she does. I don't know. <laughs> it made Tom Waits cry oh, really? and The Edge from U2 as well. Really? Tom Waits cried. Um, when he first saw it the first time, that's <laughs> Nick Nolte. <laughs> <laughs> bloody, um, bloody hell! It's like he's here in the room. <laughs> I really think Nick Nolte and Tom Waits have become the same person. Anyway, well, not um, well, about you, but Tom Waits just walked in <laughs> and, just like, and then just walked out again. Well, well. <laughs> he's gone again. Yeah. Tom, Tom, come back, come back. <laughs> do do we know what uh, the film is known as in Norway? Because it does have an alternate title. Oh God, I don't know. Any idea? 
Dave. No. <laughs> Dave. Um, it's not a moose bit my sister either. <laughs> oh, that's the next guess. No, it was, it was known in Norway as, help, we are in the pot business. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just the best thing ever. Oh, I, I love these like foreign oh, alternate they are titles. Brilliant. It's hilarious. They are brilliant. <laughs> it's like I think I mentioned this on an earlier podcast, but it's the whole. It's like the I think it's the Dutch one for Thunderball. Which was um, calm down, Mister Bond. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. Calm down, dear. Calm down, dear. It's a commercial. Calm down, dear. It's, it's a Michael commercial. Winner, yeah. But yeah, that title caused some Norwegian filmgoers to believe it was related to airplane, as because a few years earlier that had been titled "Help, We Are Flying." <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. So does that, does that mean that pretty much you could Dutchify? That's a word. No, Nor- Norwayify. Norway. It's Norway. This Norwegify. One. Yeah, Norwegify. So does that mean we Norwegify any film? But in theory, yeah. So... Alternate titles, please, on a postcard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, send in your alternate titles for um <laughs> for films Classic based movies. on. Help! We are like. Let's have some examples. What film? Uh, Psycho. Oh God! Help! I'm in a shower. <laughs> Help, I'm being stabbed. <laughs> I want to say one, but I want to see if you can guess the film. Oh, go on then. Okay, this will be a fun game. Help, where's my seatbelt? Speed? Speed? Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> High five, Becca. We got it there. Yeah. Help, my planet was just destroyed. Star Wars? Well done, Star Wars. Yeah, you're crap at this. <laughs> Layden, you're not very good. Becca, have you got any for us? Oh, God. Um, help, I'm stuck in the past. Back to the future. Yay! Yeah, that's what I was the events of the future. This is a very fun game, yeah. right? <laughs> if you can think of any, um, if you want to send us any films that are based on help, I am such and such. Uh, and Norwegian can, a film. Norwegian, Norwegian film. Please yes. do, you know, tweet us Facebook. Hashtag us. with Norwegian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was this is Spinal Tap, a uh, a great film for many people, and definitely one of the comedy classics out there. That was nominated by Eric Mellin at Scene Stealer Eric, who is a community manager at Callahan Creek. Ted Speaker. Film critic, 2013 World Air Guitar Champ, which makes understand why he nominated this because he's That's definitely amazing. A, wow. Yeah, well done. Definitely a, a music guy and a drummer the, at the Dead Girls and UF Brocks. Is the Air Guitar Championships an officially recognised competition? Well, it's at US Air Guitar. So um, yeah, at US Air Guitar is the official organisation responsible for finding one champion every year to represent America in the Air Guitar World Championships in Finland. Wow. So yeah. So hang on. So there's a US competition hosted in Finland. Well, I don't know why either. But maybe it's Finland, Ohio. <laughs> you, might be. Um, you never know. Help! We're in Finland. <laughs> you can find Eric at Scene. Dashstealers.com, so uh, do check him out. Okay, it's uh, time for the fun part of the podcast, the part everybody loves, the part the everyone part waits of for. The podcast, the fun part of the podcast. Thank you. It's question time, and it's your turn, Becca, to be quizzed. What film today? Hitchcock Psycho. Yeah. Okay, so Becca, why then? Why Psycho? What is it about that film? Obviously, everyone has kind of a top top ten movies. For me, number one is Psycho. It defines genre classification, but also defined a whole new genre, kind of in terms of like, horror tropes and things like that. And also, you've got like like character Norman Bates, who's like one of the most. I think he's like one of the AFI's top horror characters. I think <laughs> I need to research that. List. Yeah, and Hitchcock's one of my favourite directors anyway. I just think this worked amazing. And plus. Sorry to date the podcast, but yesterday, Friday, the December the 11th, was Psycho Day. Yay. Oh, was it really? <laughs> oh, there we go. So the film um, starts Friday, December the 11th, 2.43pm. Oh, cool. That's good. It is a great film. I, I mean, I, I haven't seen all of Hitchcock's films at all. It's something I need to do, but uh, it, I loved it. I think it's still brilliant, even though it's like 50 odd years old. So I think it's a, it's a damn good choice for your quiz. So, are you ready for eight questions on Psycho? Oh, I'm going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> I'll learn new things along the way. Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Latham, remember you can jump in, although something tells me um, this isn't going to be a problem. <laughs> no, you'll be right. <laughs> oh, fine. That's it. I'm going to, just, I'm, I'm going to make, be determined to give you the wrong answers. <laughs> so I'm going to beat the score. <laughs> yeah, I can't see it happening. Okay, question one. Psycho was the first movie to show what on screen? This one I do know. <laughs> I think it was like a toilet or a flushing toilet. That was my attempt at a toilet flushing. It's probably not very good. It just sounds like a rush of wind. You but yes. was better. <laughs> well done. Question, question one answered. Very good. Yay. Yeah, toilet flushing. First ever film to show that. Question two. Hitchcock was so happy with the score by Bernard Herrmann, he doubled his salary to how much? Now, I'll give you a, a oh. guesstimate for this. It doesn't have to be an exact amount, but if you're within, I'd say... Five grand each way, I'll give you the point. I did a bit of research, but I still can't remember this one. I'm going to go with like, the amount of money used in the movie. Was it like 45 
million dollars or something. No, it was, um, <laughs> no, was uh, 40,000, wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah, it's a little bit lower than that, so I can't I give you that know. one. It's, uh, it's a tricky one. It's $34,501. Yeah, okay. I didn't know that. So. Um, it's all right. It's quite a tricky one. Question three. On set, what would Hitch always refer to Anthony Perkins as? Dave. Oh, De- not Dave. No. <laughs> no, not Dave. Oh, oh it's not my tongue. Oh, I've lost it. Sorry. Are you sure? Okay. <laughs> It's masturbates. That's the one, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> he had a bit of a dark I'd say I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't retain this information. Um, but yeah, no, that's Hitchcock's famous blue sense of humour. Yeah, yeah, he was a bit of a, a sod, wasn't he, with that? Question four. How long did the original 1960 trailer run for? And again, I'll give you a certain no, leeway each way for this. Well, hold on, because I remember there being a few different trailers, because there was one he gave like a guided tour of the house and the motel. Right, but this is the original trailer, The, the I think the first one. Hmm... I don't know, two minutes. Uh, six. Six minutes, minutes yeah. <laughs> and something seconds, I think. It's, it's a long one, isn't it? Yeah, well, would... y- yeah you've got the point there, Latham, really, because it was six minutes, 30 yeah. seconds. So, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna give Latham that point. Yeah, do it. Question five. What was the Bates house modelled on? Oh, there's another one I know. Go on, um, then. House by the Railroad. Is that the name of the artist? Oh, no. Um, Edward Hopper? Absolutely right. Edward that Hopper. House by the Railroad. It was a canvas from 1925. House by the Railroad. Definitely. Well it. done. Good Good answer. Okay. Something I do know. Hooray. Yay. <laughs> Question six. A boy's best friend is his mother. Was voted where out of 100 quotes in the American Film Institute's list? Somewhere in the top 10. <laughs> I, will, I, will, I, will give you, I will give you a median here. So, you know, either one way or the other. Top five. <laughs> top five. I'm pretty sure that it's a lot lower than we expected it to be. I'm sure it was in the 40s or 50s. Ah, okay. Yeah, that kind of rings a bell. Uh, rings a distant bell. Mm. Um, yeah, because you've, you, you've got things like, you know, Luke, I am your father. And, yeah. I don't know. Number 20. 20. It is a bit lower <laughs> than that. It's, it was 56. Oh, bugger. Which is a surprise, definitely. Okay, question seven. What did Hitch use instead of blood because it showed up on camera better? There's another one I do know. Hey. Um, Hershey's chocolate syrup. Yeah, Hershey's chocolate syrup. Absolutely right, yeah. Which, uh, I remember was... going to America and like buying it and think, try some and thinking, oh, okay. Because obviously we, at the point we didn't have it here in England. Obviously now you can find Hershey's chocolate everywhere. But I was like, oh, I'm going to go there and try it and see what happens. Finally, question eight. Hitch always cameoed in his films. Where does he crop up in Psycho, and what is he wearing? That's another one I know, yeah. Yay! <laughs> um, he's outside Mr. Lowry's office, wearing like a cowboy's hat, 10-gallon hat. Absolutely spot on, yeah. and it's like, t- uh, Towards the beginning of the movie, the, of yeah, the film. Four minutes in, in, in fact, so... Yeah, very well done. Okay, yeah. that's that's not bad. Out of eight <laughs> questions, you've scored four. That's, that's good, four. That's about average, I suppose, what most <clears throat> people get, really. And Latham, you did get a point. Um, whether or not I add that onto your total, no, I will. I suppose I've got to stick by the rules, haven't I? Go on, you have to. That means he's still in top of the leaderboard, though, I think. Yay! Uh, not when you see his smug face. It's not, <laughs> it's not as good. Good job, good job. Um, but well done, four out of eight. That's, that's pretty good. Okay, that brings us to the end of the podcast today, then. Um, it's been, I think, very funny, hasn't it? Hilarious. Yes. Very funny. Hilarious. It has stuff. generally been very funny, yeah. Yes, it has been very funny and hilarious. Very funny and hilarious. Yes, um, very funny and hilarious. Are we in Groundhog Day again? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, just leave me to thank my guests, really. So, um, thanks a lot, Becca, for coming on. Thank you for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure. It's nice to have you uh, on your own without the Bond team. Oh, as much as I love my Bond team, you know. <laughs> uh, they're, they're, they're good people. So, where, where can we find you then online, Becca? Um, we are basically, along with Dave Bond and Chris Byrne, um, host a podcast called Do You Expect Us to Talk? And we're reviewing all the Bond movies. Um, we are currently up to Moonraker. We're hoping to record our review of that this weekend. Excellent. So, on Facebook, you can just type. Do you expect us to talk into the search box and find us on there? On Twitter, we are at expect us to talk. And we now have a YouTube channel. So if you go into YouTube um, <laughs> and type in expect us to talk, um, obviously you'll get the Sean Connery Goldfinger scene, but you'll find our podcast there as well. And we're also on iTunes and Stitcher and also cool. at Chris's website, cinematronics.co.uk. Now you're on YouTube. Are we going to get any video podcasts from you three? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We shall see. Let's hope so. But uh, yeah, definitely check out Do You Expect Us to Talk? It's a great podcast. And I know it's not going to end with Bond either because Dave was on last on the show last week and he was talking about that. So so yeah, check it, them out, guys. They're very good. Matt Latham, thank you for being on. Oh, thank you. Thank uh, you for having me. And uh, I don't often have a choice. Where? <laughs> where, <laughs> where? Well, I wouldn't if you let me leave. <laughs> don't untie me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where can we find you then? My speciality is actually in TV. And they have a website, a mm. uh, flashy website, um, to talk about TV, where it's just me, Brandon. 
not ranting, actually saying good things about it. It's mm. called the, the Bottle Episode, and you can find it at www.bottleepisode.co.uk. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook on, with the username The Bottle Ep mm. um, on there as well. And if you really want to be nosy, my other account is X and Matt. I wouldn't Twitter bother. Well. It's not. It's not very interesting. No, it's just basically Instagram of uh, <laughs> CDs I've been listening to. Yeah, you'll be asleep though. So if you're an insomniac, look, it's the one for you. Alternatively, if you really, if you really want to knock yourself out, listen to this episode of Pick a Flick. <laughs> <laughs> Any episode, of not Pick literally Flick. knock yourself out. Yeah. It will not cause injury or harm <laughs> to you. You can find obviously Pick a Flick on uh, Twitter and Facebook at Pick a Flick Pod. Um, on Twitter and at pickaflickpod at gmail.com as well if you want to email us anything and at pickaflick on Facebook we're also at beholemedia.com where you can find our overarching podcast including Black Hole Cinema the upcoming Dead Meat which is the spin-off um, from Pick a Flick uh, which is Emma Platt talking horror which we'll talk more about in January and also the X-Cast which is my brand new X-Files podcast which has just launched um, this week where we'll be going through the entire X-Files run uh, in advance of the new miniseries in January so I'm extremely excited to launch that can't wait for that one thank you thank you very much it's uh it's gone down well so far our first episode's just come out we've got the pilot episode coming out so you can find us there so thanks very much guys again thank, thank you. you this has been pick a flick you pick them we watch him simple bye-bye Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.